You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? You guys know the deal by now. It is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendas. I am a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Rams pod. This is going to be your Tuesday edition, and I'm excited for what we got planned on this episode. We're going to dive into a two-round mock draft from one of my colleagues at PFF to start this episode. Then we're going to transition to the Rams actually being the current leader in the NFC West, according to our exclusive partner at Bet Online, as the betting favorite to win the NFC West. And then we're going to round it all out with the linebackers and edge rusher positional review from the Rams this past season. But we do have to begin with the two-round mock draft that I talked about just a second ago. And one of my colleagues at PFF, Anthony Tresh, shout out Tresh, he wrote a two-round mock, and the Rams obviously only have one draft pick in the first two rounds, and that comes at number 57 in the second round. So not exactly very high, and that will automatically exclude a lot of good players that the Rams could potentially want to draft, unfortunately. And it's most likely that they're going to trade down at some point, maybe even out of that draft spot. We know that the Rams love to move in the draft. I don't know if there's ever been a draft with general manager Les Snead where he's just sat on his hands, stayed put, and not really traded. I mean, this is a team that loves to trade back, loves to collect more picks. Les Snead's talked about it. He likes to have as many shots within that top 100 as he possibly can. And now that the Rams don't have a first-round pick in this season, a first-round pick next season, another third-round pick missing from this draft, so many picks leaving the building you know they're going to want to try and replenish that as much as possible. And there's one good way to do that, and that's by trading down. And so I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if the Rams ultimately do move out of the spot at number 57. But for now, PFF has us locked in at 57. And Tresh locked in an edge rusher for the Rams, Joseph Osai from Texas. And that is a pretty good logical connection when you consider the upcoming pending free agent status of Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd was signed to a one-year contract by the Rams, came in, had a career year. He had 10 and a half sacks, was second on the team in pressures. He was one of the best run defenders at the edge spot in the NFL for my money. That was probably the biggest component of his game this season. He was so good as a run defender. But again, he was second on the team in pressures. He did have that double-digit sack season after only having three sacks in Chicago in 2019. So took a big step forward, made some contributions in the passing game, was a dominant run defender, and now he's a free agent. So obviously the Rams are going to look to potentially not only fill his spot, but even if Floyd does come back, the spot across from Floyd. That was not a very productive place for the Rams this past season. Obo Okoronkwo, a question mark. Terrell Lewis couldn't stay healthy. That's been the story of his career, really, dating back to Alabama and over the last four or five seasons. And outside of that, you didn't really have much in terms of guys like Samson Ebukam as well. So the Rams could look to upgrade the pass rusher spot Even if Leonard Floyd comes back and if Floyd does depart, then it's a very, very good chance that they look to add an edge rusher at some point in the draft. And Osai would be a decent pick at the second round, in my opinion. Now, I'm looking at the PFF draft guide, and my guy and lead draft analyst at PFF, Mike Renner, has this player comparison listed as Derek Barnett of the Philadelphia Eagles. And they're similar, in my opinion, as well. His biggest strength here is high motor, and his biggest weakness is setting a hard edge. And when you look at some of the numbers, I mean, he had seven sacks this past season. He has 11 over the course of three years in college. He had a 79.9 overall PFF grade this past season. 
So he had a decent season. You know, he had nine quarterback hits, 17 hurries. He was relatively productive. And then I had a chance to also dive into the tape and I came away with some notes as well. And, you know, this is a guy who I think has some potential. I think he's a very solid player in terms of just being a well-rounded guy. I thought, you know, he was good against the run. He was very active. He's a very high effort player. He's not going to give up on plays. He can run plays down from the backside. Uh, He's willing to get down and dirty. But at the same time, I felt like he left a lot to be desired as an actual pass rusher. And that's probably going to be the case for anyone that's being drafted at this high value position in the middle slash late second round. They're not going to come in and be an automatic 10, 12 sack guy. That's just not the case. And so, you know, I thought he had a decent pass rush plan. You could see certain reps where he went into it, engaged with the tackle. But prior to engaging, he clearly had a move in the back of his mind that he wanted to deploy. And those were oftentimes his best reps, which makes sense because, you know, he can time his move, whatever it may be. And he can kind of work off of what the tackle has planned for him. So I thought he had a decent pass rush plan. I would have loved to see a little bit more in terms of his plan going into attack every other snap. You know, I thought he was okay as a power rusher. You've seen some good bull rush snaps on his tape. A couple of good long arm moves, but not all that much speed rushing in my opinion. You know, you could see him somewhat run up the arc on certain reps. And if he timed it well and if he was lined up in a wide enough technique, he had a good opportunity to use that speed of his to kind of corner and run up the arc and eventually use somewhat of a rip move and a dip even across the tackle, you know, dipping his shoulder down to not really give the tackle any place to put his hands. And ultimately he could corner to the quarterback at that point and start to bear down to either sack him or apply pressure. But these plays were relatively infrequent. You didn't see a ton of it. I didn't think he was very bendy in terms of his ability to kind of go around the arc there. But again, a high effort player, I think he needs to develop some sort of a counter move that would go a long way towards helping him develop as a pass rusher. You know, he has certain reps where he wins, but then he has certain reps where he just kind of engages with the tackle simply to engage with the tackle, right? He doesn't really have any counter to his original moves. He doesn't really come in there with a pass rush plan. And those are the stale rushes that I think are a bit problematic. But again, we're talking about a guy here that is a mid to late second round pick, at least in this mock draft. And ultimately, he would get that boost of playing next to Aaron Donald, which is always important. And that could very well help him develop not only pass rush moves, a pass rush plan, counters, but ultimately just see more one-on-ones and less tackles crossing his face and less attention from offensive linemen when you're playing next to the best player in football who's going to get doubled and triple teamed at a rate higher than anyone else in the league. The last quote here I want to share from the PFF Draft Guide is, Osai doesn't have the high end that some others in this class possess, but he's a steady and crafty 3-4 outside linebacker. Ultimately, I think this would be a good pick, and I could definitely see the connection here as to why the Rams may want to go edge rusher in this draft class, and it does make a lot of sense specifically when you talk about Leonard Floyd hitting free agency in a few short weeks. He's likely to get paid by somebody else, and the Rams may very well move on from him just as they did with Dante Fowler last offseason. And I'm glad we got to talk about the edge rusher position because in the next segment, we're going to talk about the linebackers and edge rushers, and we're going to share our positional review from their performance in the last season. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QB's MEP, and you can find the page at Locked On Rams. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. 
It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag. February's Black History Month in the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Rams pod. I did mention before the break that we're going to continue our positional review series by taking a look at the linebackers, both off ball in terms of the inside linebacker spot, as well as the edge rushers. I decided to group these guys together simply because there wasn't a lot of content in terms of just the off ball linebackers. And so I figured, you know what, we'll put them together and we'll talk about them together. Technically, they both are listed as linebackers, even though one set of them are pass rushers and edge rushers and the other set are just your traditional off-ball linebackers. Now, I did forget to give a grade in yesterday's segment, so I will quickly give you a grade for the defensive line, which I guess also ties in today. Like I just mentioned, the edge rushers are a part of that group as well. And I want to give that group an A because I thought they were tremendous. Last season, they obviously carried a big load for the number one ranked defense, and that's why they get a grade of A for me. Talking about this unit today, though, I want to split it up in two ways. The edge rushers, I would give them probably a C plus, whereas the off-ball linebackers, I think they're worthy of maybe a D minus. It was probably the weakest group of the entire roster of the entire team. When you look at the off-ball linebackers, they were not very great, but we will begin with the edge rushers first. And I mentioned him in the first segment, Leonard Floyd. He headlined this group. He had 44 total pressures last season that ranked second on the team. Now, He had a lot of pass rushing snaps, so his productivity in terms of the efficiency on a per snap basis wasn't crazy good, but I did mention it in the first segment. Elite run defender, he had 10 and a half sacks. I don't know how you cut it in any other way other than this is a guy that improved greatly. He went from three sacks in his last season in Chicago to double digit sacks as well as a career high with 10 and a half here with the Rams, and he also was second on the team in total pressures with 44, and the third place player... Michael Brockers only had 28, so this was clearly a guy who was effective for the Rams, a guy who was important for the Rams, and now, obviously, he's heading into free agency, most likely, and that could be an issue for the Rams because he was by far their best edge rusher, and, you know, they only got him for a one-year deal, which is kind of an issue, but at the same time, we expected this to potentially be the case dating back to last year, and it makes sense. You've seen it happen with Dante Fowler. It'll probably happen with Leonard Floyd as well in terms of getting paid by somebody and going to a different team. But we're going to save that for a different discussion down the road. Now, continuing with the edge rushers, number five and number six, all of these guys ranked very similarly in terms of the total pressures. Obanai Okoronkwo, fifth on the team with 18. He was tied with Samson Ebukam with 18 as well, both fifth. And Justin Hollins came in right behind those guys with 10 pressures of his own this season. Now, Okoronkwo only had one sack on the season, three and a half actually for Samson Ebukam and three for Justin Hollins. I like all of these guys in terms of what they are, but I don't think any of them are truly great edge rushers. Obanai Okoronkwo probably has the most pass rushing chops of all of these guys. I think he has probably the biggest arsenal of moves, but he couldn't stay healthy last season, which was an issue. And it's kind of been an issue over the course of his career. 
Now, if he was healthy last year, he might have been the second best edge rusher on the team, maybe even better than Leonard Floyd in terms of his actual efficiency, but it's hard to come to a conclusion there. He couldn't stay healthy. And so, you know, we've got to go back into this next season here and kind of get a better look of who he is as a player. Hopefully he can stay healthy and give the Rams a little bit more extended playing time and give us a better look of who he actually is as a player in this league. Talking about Ebukam, he is also a free agent like Leonard Floyd, and I fully expect Ebukam to be gone in this free agent period. You know, he hasn't really developed. He's a very athletic player, but he has absolutely zero pass rushing moves. He has not developed whatsoever as a pass rusher. He's a liability in run defense. He's not very good in contain. He often loses contain. I don't know how you bring this guy back. He does have some special teams ability. And so, you know, if he does want to settle for a cheap deal, the Rams could be interested in bringing him back for that role. But I don't know what he brings to a defense because he hasn't really brought anything to the Rams over the last four seasons. Justin Hollins, he was a sneaky waiver wire pickup. I really enjoyed watching him this season. Now, again, not a tremendous pass rusher in terms of the moves or the arsenal of moves that he has, but he was very active for the Rams, man. This is a guy who continued to step up 10 pressures on the season. Not great, but he only had 133 pass rushing snaps. He did have those three sacks. He came up big a couple of times. We've seen it like the Buffalo Bills game where he had a big sack, I believe it was. Uh, a couple others, you know, this past season where he came in at opportune times and stepped up in the clutch. And I think there has to be something said about the ability to step up at the most important parts of the game. The big wild card in this group is Terrell Lewis, the former third round pick out of Alabama. He was a rookie last season. Like I mentioned in the first segment, could not stay healthy. Again, that's not a surprise. He has never been able to stay healthy over the course of his career. And because of that, he only had nine total pressures, but he managed to do that on only 81 pass rushing snaps. So he had only one pressure less than Hollins, but over 50-ish, 55 less opportunities to do so in terms of the pass rushing snaps. So that's pretty good. And Lewis is a guy that's very talented. But again, if you can't stay healthy, I'm not really sure what you can offer the defense now. You know, we're going to go into this season with probably the Rams relying a lot on Terrell Lewis just because they don't have that many players outside of him at the edge rusher position. So theoretically speaking, he's going to need to take a big step forward in this season, but it's a big question mark just because he has not been able to stay healthy really throughout the course of his entire career. Talking about the off-ball linebackers, this was by far the worst group for the Rams this season. They weren't really all that great at anything. You know, in terms of the run defense, I feel like they were better than they were in coverage. But it wasn't necessarily because of their dominance in the running game. I felt like the defensive line was just so good at clogging up gaps, two-gapping, and essentially eating up blockers, allowing these guys free shots to go into their gaps and make tackles on running backs, as well as safeties coming down and crashing hard. So, you know, this group could stand to be improved by a big margin. You've seen guys like Micah Kaiser take snaps here, Kenny Young, Troy Reader. That was mainly the trio that really played at this spot. And when you look at their performances in pass coverage, They were not all that great. Micah Kaiser allowing 67.3% completion percentage, 336 yards in coverage, and one touchdown as well as 18 first downs. Troy Reader did not fare much better, 85.4% completion rate, so even higher than Kaiser, 278 yards in coverage as well as 12 first downs. And then Kenny Young, 84.2% completion rate, 276 passing yards, three touchdowns, and 15 first downs. He did also have an interception of his own, but none of these guys were impact players in coverage. I felt like they were picked on for the majority of the season against running backs. 
You've seen teams love passing up the middle of the field against the Rams, and it makes sense when you look at their passer ratings allowed. Micah Kaiser, 91.5. Troy Reader, 94.9. Kenny Young, 112.3. Not great. I think the Rams are going to look to upgrade this position going into free agency, going into the draft, and that is one area of the team that they could ultimately improve greatly, even with a bit of an addition in terms of cheaper guys, maybe a lesser round draft pick. It doesn't need to be something very high or a great investment necessarily, but I do think the Rams could ultimately stand to upgrade this area of their team, and it would go a long ways to helping them take another step forward as the number one ranked defense according to their statistics last season. In the final segment, we're going to talk about why the Rams are currently the favorite to win the NFC West according to our exclusive partner at BetOnline and make sure to keep checking back in with us at the Locked On Rams podcast. We're going to continue our off-season coverage of the Los Angeles Rams all off-season long. Folks, are you having any car troubles? You ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. They are a family-owned business and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. There is not a better time than right now to support a family-owned business with these strange COVID-related times that we're living in. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and are looking for reliably low prices, you absolutely need to check out Rock Auto. Go to their website and check out all of their available parts. It's a truly never-ending list, and if your car needs it, they've probably got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us so they know that we sent you. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the final segment of this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Rams pod. As always, I appreciate you guys for sticking around this long and making it to the end of another episode. And I did mention before the break that we're going to talk about why the Rams are currently the favorite to win the NFC West, according to our exclusive partner at betonline.ag. As it stands right now, the Rams rank first at plus 175. San Francisco comes in at second with plus 200 odds. The Seahawks at third with plus 275. And the Cardinals at dead last with plus 650. This is going to be one of the more intriguing divisions, in my opinion, going into next season. It's felt like that has been the case at least over the last two or three seasons, the NFC West has been one of the best, if not the best division in the NFL over the last two or three seasons. And I think that's probably going to continue going into next year. I can see why the 49ers are ranked second in terms of the odds as of right now. You know, last year they were very injured. So it was hard to truly evaluate who they were as a franchise and where they were. But it makes total sense to me as to why the Rams are currently the favorite. You know, we got to take this with a bit of a grain of salt. It's still very early in the offseason. Most teams haven't had the chance to upgrade their rosters really outside of some trades here or there, and it's been very few and far between. You know, we haven't even reached free agency. We haven't really reached any teams electing to re-sign their own free agents. We haven't gotten to the draft. So there's going to be a lot of shakeup when it comes to rosters, and we're really only at the beginning. Now, it makes sense that the Rams are first because they got an upgrade at the most important position in the NFL. You talk about the quarterback spot. There's never going to be a more important player on your roster than the quarterback. And the Rams went from a league average quarterback who probably performed even less optimally than league average last season. Jared Goff struggled mightily. We know that he was the weakest part of the offense, which is never a good thing. Your quarterback should never be 
the worst player on your offense. And that was the case for Jared Goff. And that was why the Rams went into this offseason looking to upgrade. Ultimately, we don't really know what happened between the relationship from the front office, from Sean McVay and Jared Goff, and even potentially some teammates. But we know the Rams wanted to make a move at quarterback. They wanted to upgrade. They wanted to bring a guy into town that could take this team to the next level, potentially a Super Bowl, wherever that may be. And they located a guy in Matthew Stafford that they believe can help them take that next step. And I do think that Stafford is going to be able to take them to the next step, not necessarily meaning that they're going to win a Super Bowl or they're even going to be in a Super Bowl next season. But I do think they're going to improve their offensive output. I think Stafford is going to help improve the play of the guys around him where Jared Goff just didn't do that. I think Stafford is going to help the passing game be more productive, both by efficiency as well as creating big plays. That's been something Sean McVay has sought out now for a few weeks. We heard it in his press conference. They haven't had that element to their offense since 2018. And I'm of the thought that they're going to start to work their way back towards that 2018 offense with this addition of Stafford. And with that being the case, it makes sense why the Rams are currently favored. The quarterback was a huge upgrade. Not many teams have been able to upgrade. You're still talking about a tremendous coaching staff with Sean McVay headlining it. Guys like Raheem Morris coming on staff now, a new special teams coordinator, which is probably going to be an upgrade. You're still talking about the number one ranked defense from last season. And ultimately, it makes sense why the Rams are where they are when it comes to their odds to win the NFC West. Now, you know, we can even take it a step further. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. The Rams are not only favored to win the NFC West, they are among the favorites to win the NFC. I think the Buccaneers are still first when it comes to the NFC odds. And right after them is the Rams and the Packers tied for the second best odds to win the NFC outright. So this is clearly a team that's viewed as one that can take the next step by media, fans, personalities across the league, and even betting sites and bookies. So there's going to be a lot of pressure mounting on the Rams this season. The expectations are obviously heightened. Everyone is expecting this team to take the next step. And while that's fearful, it's also very exciting. It's refreshing for this fan base. They're going to get a chance to watch a new quarterback. And as of right now, you can go to betonline.ag and place your bets for the Rams to win the NFC West outright. And I do have a feeling that they could very well come away with the NFC West title next season. That is all we got for you guys on this episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for listening to another episode here. We're going to continue our off-season coverage for the Los Angeles Rams all off-season long, so please make sure to keep checking back in with us. And just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QB's MVP, and you can find the page at Locked on Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more. 